Welcome to MTG Evolving Wild. My name is Mark. I'm Ron. And I'm Cody. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the ethics that kind of happen in, before, and after the game of Commander specifically. Yeah, essentially, like, we all know that Magic the Gathering, and especially Commander, is a really unique experience, and so there are really unique emotions that kind of happen outside of the game, uh, and in the game, that, you know, we want to sort of just discuss, and kind of, like, not so much of in-game mechanics, but more so um, sportsmanship, and kind of the way you sort of play the game. The interactive social aspect of Commander games. (laughs) And Magic the Gathering in general in certain cases i think especially in commander because it's a four-player game there's so much less focus on one winner and one loser uh and whereas you know in two-player games it's like you try to win by taking your opponent out in commander it's far more often like there's a lot more involved than just building the best deck with the best strategy and getting the best luck sometimes it's just about the vibe at the table honestly the vibe can make or break a table and the vibe can make or break a particular win or a particular loss and all that stuff Right, and even more so than that, uh, for those of you who have played Dungeons and Dragons or know anything about it, essentially, there are many ways you can approach it because it's not necessarily a game well, where in Magic the Gathering there is a definitive winner and D&D there isn't. But because of the social nature, you know, you can have it be a beer and pretzels type of game where you're hanging out with friends, laughing, and the mechanics kind of come second, or you can be a very serious sort of group, um, uh, you know, a play group that wants to focus focus more on the game rather than the social aspect and you still have both because they are ultimately intertwined but there are many different attitudes and ways to approach it definitely um i think we should kind of get into some of the stuff that can happen before a game uh and this is stuff that can come up for people who are you know brand new to playing commander like potentially the first time that uh people are playing or maybe the first time you're playing and someone else is playing against you um i mean let's talk about rule zero conversations right yeah i mean i think we've all been there you know you sit down at a table with you know three randoms and you start a rule zero conversation and you know you kind of hear the same responses everywhere Oh, yeah, my deck's a seven. That's the first thing I thought. <laughs> funny, funny enough, so uh, a friend of ours, uh, Billy, I'll shout him out, total homie, um, he's pretty new to the game. And when I initially started uh, the Rule Zero conversation with the game that I played with him and uh, our other friend Jacob, who we've interviewed before, um, essentially uh, he gave me that response. Yeah, this deck's about a seven. Uh, this one's kind of, they're all kind of around like eight. This one's like an eight. But it's really uh, interesting because I feel like it's not very descriptive of what the deck can do, what the deck entails. And ultimately, I feel like uh, the deck was not that powerful. Um, it was strong and it had really good individual cards, but I don't know if the deck itself would be classified. And, and ultimately, it's just really hard to classify a deck with just a number. Well, it, it's kind of stupid in a way to like give it a, a number 1 through 10. Like yeah. I feel like it's kind of a a meme because it's like the numbers are so subjective. One man's seven is another man's three or another (laughs) man's like 10 or something like that. You know, like it's just it could be 
anything really. And and in a rule zero conversation, I feel like you have to get a little bit more deeper than just like, oh, my deck's kind of powerful or you got to you got to really break into what it does. When are you planning to win? What's your strategy? That kind of thing. So I think the best way I've ever seen like rule zero kind of be handled is with CGB's commander show, Worst Possible Commander, where they literally show you like what the worst thing that their deck could do is. <laughs> you know, that's really I good. Mean, you know, like, are, are you doing like Blood Chief's Ascension, Mind Crank combos? <laughs> like, are you going to like Triumph of the Hordes people out? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it just leads to a point where you're like, okay, cool, there's very little salt that can be had because I knew what was coming when I sat down for this game. Right. Yeah. That's really good. Maybe we should implement that more where we, like, if we're playing with people we don't know or decks we don't know, like, just give a quick rundown of, like, the absolute worst thing that can happen (laughs) is, you know, I get a combo that goes infinite with this, this, or this. I always tell people, you know, like, my deck runs infinite combos. And I guarantee you that like 90% of my decks have an infinite combo in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm or a pseudo infinite. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Like I, I'd say I've typically been more comfortable with using what turn you'll usually win on average if things go right and no one interacts with your board. Um, it's hard to come up with an average, but as you do get to play in no deck, I feel like you'll say, okay, this deck usually wins between turns six through eight. It usually wins between turns four and five you know 10 through 12 10 through 12 exactly you'll be able to pick up on that another question i really like asking in rule zero is what kind of game do you want to play because i typically show up with at least three or four decks eh, probably closer to three but um you know i'll have options whether okay am i playing like an infinite combo machine or am i going to be playing like just a really powerful thing that can roll with a bunch of things or am I going to be like sitting back a little bit more and we're having more of a casual, easy, chill game? Beer and pretzels. Type exactly. Of game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, so like, I guess really having a solid one, a really good rule zero conversation can usually make for the best games uh, following that. Yeah. Um, are there any things that you've noticed that you want to look out for? on someone doing some unethical, you know, like BS uh, at a table. Like in terms of rule zero? Yeah, in a rule zero conversation. Well, like obviously if people are lying to you, but that's like something that you can't really, I mean, you don't know until the game's over. Well, I think that there are some things that do tell you that, you know, like um, it's not that deck. Mm. We've all heard it, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't that... um, Corvald deck this isn't that urza deck typically (laughs) yeah if the commander is sometimes people don't realize it and that's the other thing if no i I mean like and that's fair like yeah but i mean like again if someone tells you that it's not that deck you're you know like alarm should be raised a little bit like you should be on high alert (laughs) you know i had a really interesting conversation um with a guy we met at uh magic con vegas his name was dustin and you remember we had a four-player game with him and patrick oh yeah there was we had a rule converse rule zero conversation with him and he was hyping his deck up so much 
that I was like, whoa, like, I don't know if we're playing the right power level here. Like, are you <laughs> sure you want to be playing? And then in practice, like, it was great, but it was fair. Yeah. And I was like, huh. I've never had, like, a rule zero conversation other than that one where it was like, oh, like, maybe I should be more worried than I am. But, again, that was purely based on, like, you know, what was being said. But, like, he was even saying, like, it's not that scary, but it does all this, this, and this. And then my red flags were going off. So even sometimes, you know, like, people could be telling the truth or, you know, saying it's not that strong, but it does this, this, and this. And that could be right, even if your red flags are going off. True. But and yeah, I wasn't present at that game, but maybe part of it was that because he spent so much time talking to you about the deck, maybe he kind of warned you about the types of threats that you might encounter. So you kind of had time to kind of prepare yourself for that a bit. Sure, that makes sense. I, I guess that's a good point, too, is like really he, he really prepared us for what the deck does. Yeah. And then when it actually happened, it was like not that bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he, he's, he's all hype, but the deck, it does exactly what he says. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe less theatrics. I think maybe <laughs> I've just played against enough other people who, when they've been super excited about a deck, it's been a really oppressive good deck. All right. All right. I know I'm guilty here of that uh, because I'll say I've I've built a lot of decks in the past where it's been like, OK, it's my first time building this deck, like my prosper deck. Once I tuned it up with like some proxies and cards that I've really wanted. Uh, same thing with my Azorius flicker deck that I used to have. And ultimately, that's because I didn't even know the strength oh, yeah. of the deck at the end of the day. But eventually, uh, once I learned, I kind of I think everyone gets a one game buffer of playing <laughs> a deck that they've never played before to be like if the power level is severely off like it's your first time playing and we all understand that uh i think you get a little bit more than that because like again like okay you know, sure. it, it depends on like pod compositions and stuff mm -hmm. like that you know like i know i've been guilty of it like yeah i built uh vadric that the storm deck oh god yeah, that was and strong literally didn't realize what the deck was going to do when i was sleeving it up at your kitchen table mark i remember yeah. that <laughs> um and went infinite won the game like no problems uh with it like okay cool this is a cool strong deck you did that probably like turn five or six ish maybe i want to say six ish yeah. yeah went to the lgs to play it you know sat down was like okay cool this will be like a nice higher powered deck like mm. I, I i'm not you know you know worried about it boom winning it like turn six <laughs> yep. um you know yeah. and i've sat to, and then i sat down with another table was like, oh, yeah, this deck's going to win about turn six, turn eight, somewhere mm -hmm. in that range, you know. One turn four. Yeah. Like, yeah. With a straight-up just storm turn, like, bang, 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 you know. Sure. And it's like, oh, shit, this is what the deck actually does? Yeah. Like, okay, let me <laughs> let me reevaluate how powerful this actually is. Right. I think, um, like, okay, maybe a few more than one game, but, like, at least a one-game buffer. Like, at least, like... You know, don't get mad at someone for just having put a deck together like this week, oh, even no, if they played a game 
and then they think it's one way and then they did something that the deck's never done before and it's like oh oops <laughs> this is way or, more <laughs> i mean like the gold fishing can only take you so far yeah. you know like you don't have you know the other boards set up you know that are going to affect your board that you're going to target like you don't know how it's going to necessarily like play out until you have three other decks in front of you <laughs> yeah um, another thing that kind of happens before games sometimes, I think, is preemptive sideboarding. And I, I guess, I don't know if sideboarding is the right word, because it's not really, you know, legal in Commander to have a sideboard. Technically, but, but I feel like it's a ca casual game. Like, yeah. I usually don't mind if someone wants to slot in a new card or... You know, you go to a store, you buy a new card for your deck, and then you have to take a card out. But, like... If you're not 100% sure about taking that card out, you might put it in a little spot where you can get it back easily if you want to. Right. I think it all kind of depends on intent. Yeah. Ultimately. So with preemptive sideboarding, what we're kind of going for is like... You reveal the commander. Yeah. Someone shows up. You reveal your commander. They see your commander. And when they see your commander, they take certain cards out and put new cards in. Or even maybe after they've seen your commander, but once you start talking about what the deck does even. Oh. See, I've never had anything like this happen to me. But have you guys? Uh, I mean, honestly, there have been times where I feel like we've been able to communicate it fairly well. But honestly, I like, yeah. Like, when you take out Tiny Bones, like, I always am like okay like well you take out a different deck to play but that's it's true I, and i don't specifically counter the strategy yeah um, but because i feel like we communicate about it and we're all aware of what we're doing and i do communicate with the deck i'm taking out does and it's you know it's just uh, it leans into the strategy sometimes i think that's the strategy but you know at the end of the day we're like all right we're all in agreement to do this i think that's closer to rule zero than sideboarding because it's not like if i were to take out like my tiny bones deck you would be swapping out cards in your snakes deck for example to play against it you just pick maybe a different deck to play or maybe you would play i don't really know what you sure would pick it depends against on it, my mood honestly exactly Whereas, I, I, i've had someone uh sideboard like i'm curious to hear like yeah what i, I couldn't story? tell you like really more details than other than like yeah, I you know we show up, we're, we're set in the pod, we do the role zero, we reveal what commanders we're playing, and you know they go, oh, hang on one second, let me swap out a card, and I'm like, all right, you know, and then they proceed to kind of like run the table, mm. you know, like in the next game or in the game, you know, and it's like, hmm, that's a little fishy. didn't feel good, yeah. yeah. And it's like, all right, cool. We'll we'll get a new game in, like you know, not a big deal. But like, you just kind of are like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, for real. I think uh, I, I I'm lucky enough to never have had that happen. But I think that would be a very frustrating experience, maybe, because like I think we're all like okay with a certain level of like trying new cards in your deck, but to be like swapping out cards before a game starts, like. In, I mean, that's not even legal in like competitive formats. Oh, no, absolutely. But again, this is a casual game. Like, I, I didn't really think twice about it. You know, I've also had someone do it for a um, the better reason, which is like, they're like, oh, wait, you're playing this? Well, hang on, let me take out this card that's going to like counterpick your, uh, your deck entirely. I see. And put in something like slightly different, you know, that was was easier to play around basically like interesting i've had people do that too 
you know, but I think I view that more as like bringing their deck down to a power level versus like, yeah, you know, I think there's a different, like, I don't know, feeling to each one, maybe where it's, it's both doing a similar action of like taking a card out and putting a new one in, but in one, it's maybe more of an inclusive action to be like, okay, this card shuts your deck down and just to avoid bad feelings versus all right, like. I'm gonna let, pub stomp yeah, this let me, table. Let me make sure I, I I put the tech in to stop these three like decks I'm playing against right now. Right. And I've I've kind of done like weird things with that. Like I have a mono green plus one plus one counters deck, and Vorinclex, uh, the monstrous raider, is one of the optional commanders. And if I'm playing against a, a planeswalker deck or something, I'll usually let them know, hey, this is in the deck, sometimes in the command zone. I'm more than happy to swap it out because usually I pick a random commander amongst a few that are in the 99 but still you know i feel like there are maybe even things like that that can i guess would that constant it's it's weird it's not sideboarding well that one that's why i like the idea of a modal commander so much and it's like you know you can run all of them in your deck but depending on which one you put in the command zone that's the one you're going to have the most consistent access to so and and you know because of that like if you're running against like a planeswalker deck like Maybe if it's like, you know, more of a chill planeswalker deck, you don't want to necessarily have the answer to shut them down. There is no chill planeswalker deck. I'm sure there are some. I'm sure, listen, I I, I don't know. Like Chandra Tribal probably is like fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, until all your creatures are getting hit for damage. I know, (laughs) until your board's getting wiped every turn because of Chandra damage. Okay, I but, but like you know, it's like it has to get to that state. Someone has to cast like four Chandra Planeswalkers, and that does not feel good. Playing Chandra Planeswalker, I mean, in my experience, playing Chandra Planeswalkers is not fun. <laughs> but <laughs> but maybe that's just me. Maybe I need to give it a try. Depends on which one. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Most of them are underwhelming. At least in Commander. Yeah, sure. Um. So I think that's a lot of like the stuff covering like stuff that could happen before a game. You guys kind of on the yeah. same page there. Yeah. Um, so during the game is a whole other story. Like even if you've had a good rule zero talk, the power levels are all there. Uh, there's still, I guess, some things that could happen in the middle of a game that could change maybe how people are feeling or if people feel like it's a fair game or an unfair game. Um, and I think the most uh, divisive one here is going to be uh, politics. Mm-hmm. That's right. Just like in real life. <laughs> That's so true. Um, me and Cody, I think, are a little bit more like our deck does its thing. We don't want to waste too much time talking. We just want to like do the thing our deck does and make a decision and whoever wins, wins. Whereas, I mean, listen, listen, I, it's not that I'm not like that. It's This that is already <laughs> politics, Ron. He's like, <laughs> wait, 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 Stop spinning it, Ron. Let me explain my, my <laughs> point of view here. All right. All, the way I see mm-hmm. it is Commander is a multiplayer game, and it's really unique in that in a 1v1, 
you're I feel the same exact way. It's one on one. You don't want to make deals with this person. You're trying to beat this person and you need to be able to come out on top. But because of the multiplayer dynamic of Commander, I feel like there are a lot of situations that rise up where you can use your opponents as an additional tool to take care of specific threats or maybe even advance your board. You're a tool. <laughs> Actually, you're my tool, Cody. So those are reasons why Ron thinks politics are okay, and we need to destroy him for it. Um, but no, you know, like, there's definitely, like, different players that want to be playing different ways. So, like, you know, it might... I mean, even in situations where, like, you know, I would not say I'm usually one for leaning towards politics... There are times when Cody's about to win the game and I don't have the answer for the thing that needs to be destroyed. This is almost getting into a little more threat assessment, but it's like, hey, guys, do you want to work together and destroy this <laughs> enchantment? And I don't have enchantment removal right now. And then we can still play magic some more. <laughs> That's definitely still politics. <laughs> There's definitely an aspect of that there. Um, and it comes, you know, with a four player game. So it's never like we're completely not politicking in a game but um i think you know there's also just like less of that that we prefer to do um but you know it's kind of almost a different way to play the game sometimes it is and i don't think it's any more or less fun again i think it depends on the intent and i think it depends on the general attitudes of the play group um you know i've seen some politics that have made people salty and i've seen some politics that have made a game 10 times more interesting and way more memorable as a result um really depends on situations you know i i've won a few games uh through politics that i definitely would not have won if i did not make certain deals with people you've also gotten blown out through I've, political I've also, exactly i've also gotten blown out for the same reason and i've gotten double crossed and have double crossed evil and i think it, it, it makes Commander a much more diverse experience. And again, I, I think it all comes down to intent and really how you are as a player. And interestingly enough, I've noticed, depends on what mechanics you're using as well, because I feel like people will react generally more positive to in-game mechanics that give players choices rather than, hey, I have removal, let's make a deal so I don't use it on you. Painful Quandary is a good card. <laughs> it's, it's a painful card um i mean it's better than uh what is it bottomless pit or bottomless no, hole bottomless pit is amazing best card ever um but to get kind of back on that politics point um i think we can all kind of agree at least on like a certain level that if someone says they'll do something like i won't attack you next turn if you do this and then both people are like deal deal okay and then they attack you next turn, there's, I mean, you guys would say that's probably not something you would want in your games. Yeah, it's, it's, of course. it's breaking your, it's not, right. it's unsportsmanlike. What about um, if somebody were to word something in a very specific way and you agree to that deal? What do you guys think about that? I mean, that's just uh, game lawyering, but uh, I, I'm fine with that. I, th I think it depends. I, I all depends on the scenario, how the vibe is and really what exactly you're doing. Like, Oh God, I'm trying to remember the situation exactly, but I think it was a game between the three of us in a three player game. When I played prosper, I believe you played, 
uh, some kind of black white deck, I think. It was something, something along the lines of I did something you wanted and then you did the thing that you said you were going to do, but in the process destroyed like my creature or something. No, like that. I think it was something different where essentially it, it, it was just from, it was for literal minor incremental things, but the way it worked out, I thought was hilarious. Like I think, no, it was someone was playing coma. I think it might've been Chris who we were playing against, but anyways, coma, the serpent was out. I had my prosper deck and Mark was playing some beatdown deck and all I remember was Mark was kind of like hitting me pretty hard because I didn't have good defenses up and the other player had a coma and essentially I was like hey like do you like have removal like we need removal um and he was like hmm like I don't but I'm like okay I had this one card that it's like whenever you attack me you get to exile the top card of an opponent's library if you do and essentially I was like I baited Mark into attacking me so that I could just look at the top card of his library when in reality I did have the removal to deal with it but it was like a oh, hurl through hell and I was right. actually going to steal it for myself I see. the whole time but so I you was, wanted to yeah. get more value while you did have the answer in mm-hmm. your I see what you're saying yeah I think I remember something like that it it depends at the point of view where you're at I think it could be a big feel bad in certain situations and it could make people salty but I think it could also like you know maybe if you are like at one hit point <laughs> and you you don't have a way of coming back from this game a deceptive deal could be like the one way that you get back into a game mm-hmm. like I won't attack you next turn if you don't take me out. And they're like, okay. And then you like go to different players creature that can only attack them. For example, it's like, technically you didn't attack, but yeah, there's something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One, one other interesting thing now that you're mentioning like being on the verge of death and commander, it's like, how do you guys feel about like if someone takes you out and then you don't have any answers, but you're like, but you can still mess up a lot of things on their board. Like being like, Hey, like you can take me out. Sure. But I'm going to make sure you don't win. King like I'm making. taking you down with me. Oh no, it's not King making. That's, I guess that's, that's yeah. just retaliation for taking me out. Like you're going to pay consequences. <laughs> I think I, it's... I, I'm, I am pro this uh, setup. <laughs> and I, I, I think I've made my point known with my Toshiro deck. Honestly, like, yeah, I, you have with me for sure. You How many know? times do I tell you, like, are you sure you want to do this because uh, i will make you pay and you oh, go cody <laughs> too many times too many times to count um i think that it's close to king making and it, it might overlap but it's not always king making i think i don't have a problem with something like that where you're in a position where someone's gonna take you out and you're like don't and they do it and then you're not gonna win the game but you just use every resource you have to make their board worse. Like I get that. So yeah, like that's more just like punishing someone for taking you out. Mm -hmm. But like, it would be different if you, if like, okay, if you went to go take me out and then I just used all of my resources to nerf Ron's board um, so that you could take him out the next game. Like that's a real feels bad. Like that's not, you know, necessarily the coolest. What uh, about this? This is also a form of kingmaking. What if we're in that same scenario? I'm attacking you to take you out. Instead of you nerfing Ron's board, you give Ron enough buffs on his board that he is then able to take me out on my next turn. Again, I view it more as just me punishing you for killing me. 
It's sure. also a bit of a way Cody builds. Cody doesn't build things that he builds with a lot of removal. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't build to build the, things up. I tear things down. <laughs> right. Whereas I sometimes but I feel like scenario, have certain decks that yeah. might be able to incrementally give people advantage, or sometimes well placed removal is going to give someone advantage. Like let's just say someone has an enchantment that's exiling someone's creature until it leaves. If someone can get rid of that, you know, things like that that can occasionally just happen. Yeah, I think in the second case I mentioned, though, that's a lot closer to kingmaking. You don't play that many decks that buff other people's stuff. But no. in in a way, I think that's kingmaking. But I don't think that's at the point where it um, is a problem. I, I don't think I have too much of a problem with kingmaking. It can be frustrating sometimes, but we're playing a four-player game, like... It, it really depends, you know. Have like, you guys have any, like, experiences? Because most of my king-making experiences have been, like, the game's about to end. Like, either I'm about to take someone out or someone else is about to take me out. And then resources get given to the other person. And then they're able to win, even though the other person was maybe in the position where they were about to win. Um, I mean, I don't really think it matters too, too much, um, in the, in those situations, you know, like, and again, you know, my whole thing is, and I've done it to both of you guys multiple times where, you know, if you try to target me, I'm going to do what I can to take you guys out, <laughs> you know, um, it, it just is what it is. Um, you know. And like, you know, game's got to end. And like, if you're in that position where it's like, okay, cool. One of two players is going to win. And I'm just making sure that it happens in the next turn so that we can get another game in. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's as bad. But like, I've also been in games where like someone made a deal for second place. (laughs) Because like they had no shot of winning. And it's like. Kill me last and I'll do this for you. Yeah. No, literally. I've made those deals. No, and, and I'm just like, yo, there's no second place in Commander. You either win or you lose. Like, Yeah, I, I think I remember we were playing a game at Fire and Dice where there was someone playing the Eldrazi precon that just came out, and uh, someone was playing some other deck. And essentially it came down, it was like a really late, drawn-out sort of game, and it came down to the Eldrazi player the other guy playing and i think mark and i got taken out of that game first because we were scary and oh yeah it was against the minskin boot yeah Yeah. i had early in that game i had my morophon deck and filled the board with a bunch of everything and was basically in a place where it's like all right i'm gonna win next turn pretty much or i'm gonna take people out next turn if nothing else happens and then i got board wiped and then i died but yeah but, I, but <laughs> I remember but the way but the way it specifically ended is everyone was like all right fine fine so player two can apply attack the guy with the eldrazi precon and it will end the game and we can move on and maybe get another game in and he was like sure all right fine and so i think uh the minsk and boo player willingly got taken out by the other player by player two i'm gonna call him oh and then uh and then when player two eventually goes to attack the eldrazi player to end the game he's like all right um I don't remember what it is. It's that artifact that lets you exile all non-land permanents. Sure. Board wipe, pretty much. Uh, total bo- exile board wipe, like, super late into a game when someone already, like, given up, has given up the game so I that see. the game could just end. 
and That's... then the game just technically got extended and, it, and basically at that point all the other players scooped and the Eldrazi player just kind of won by default. That's uh that's a weird one because like yeah, at that point, I mean maybe they scooped early, but if they scooped with the intent of getting another game in, I don't know, it's hard because like people can stop playing at any point they want but that doesn't necessarily mean that the people playing the current game have to stop playing no i mean like honestly the those are some of the most salt inducing uh plays in my opinion you know like the armageddon because like you just need to slow the game down um because someone else is gonna win you know or the board wipe to reset the game basically you know, like, so that you can, like, continue to win, you know, like... But sometimes those are top, like, you just draw them off the top of your deck, and you have a you have board wipes in your deck, so... But my, my point is more to the point of, like, if you're not going to do anything to follow it up, and you're just doing it to extend the game, like, let the game end, and let's get a second game in. Like, let's get another game going. Mm-hmm. I'm a little torn about it, because, you know... It's all in position, it's too. In posi- I guess if you've been playing for, like, three hours... If, if you're, and you're at, like, like, turn 10 or 12, and someone board wipes just because, like, they have nothing else going on right now, and they, you know, need to reset the board, like, dude, come on. Like, just let it go. <laughs> Get taken out, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see, like, if, if people are, like, you know, it's a late game, people are trying to wrap it up, people are trying to go to sleep, and then somebody board wipes, but... You know, there's I I just I think there's also situations where people board wipe and it's very like called for like it's almost the reason why people run board wipes is to deal with the board. Um, So, you know, even something like Wrath of God, like that takes everyone out. But one player has like 2000 tokens or something like that. Like, yeah, that's that's going to stop the game from ending. But it's also what the board wipe is supposed to do, you know. Again, it it depends on, like, where you board wipe. You know, like, are you board wiping because, um, like, and it's early, like, turn five, turn six, you know, like, and because the aggro player's been going off and making a bunch of tokens and, you know, doing what aggro players do and filling the board, you know, like, okay, that's understandable. But, like, if it's turn 12 and, like, your only play is, like, okay, cool, let me just board wipe, reset this game, you know, and now we're going to start again on turn 12 from zero, basically. You like, know where I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, where it probably makes the most salt-inducing, like, moments is if the game is over, two people are already out, both players are at low life, and, like, I, I could see it being like, uh, like, okay, my board's gone, I'm just down to scoop and, like, be upset about this game. Like, yeah. But like I also again for me it's a little it's a little trickier because I know everyone purposely puts board wipes in their deck and depending on when you draw them is it's still one Cody you still put one in your deck yeah but I have a couple decks with more or less yeah like people I, I mean I think everyone puts at least one sometimes less than that I, I think some of my decks maybe have zero when I don't care about what I'm building as much but same um like. It, it's something that people will put into their deck on purpose and if you draw it when you draw it like let's say you've been searching for that board wipe the whole game and it just so happens that it comes up like turn 12 like and you play it 
you know, it's like maybe that's a, a question then of whether you want to be playing board wipes or playing board wipes in that deck. Like that almost feels like a deck construction thing. Um, personally, I have my own philosophy on removal and board wipes and everything. I play at most one in every deck and a lot of decks I don't really play them. Mm-hmm. And I think the one that I play the most often is really just Blast Act. But yeah. What do you um, think, Ron? I, I'll say a lot of my decks, I've been cutting universal board wipes in favor of one-sided board wipes in a lot of decks. You know, like my Prosper deck uses Delayed Blast Fireball. My Walls deck used a lot of Power uh, Matters board wipes. Uh, so things like that where you can still get the board wipe, but it actually puts you in an advantageous position to close out the game at the right opportunity. Yeah, much rather see those than, you know, just like a Wrath of God a damnation. Yeah. And I mean, again, I've, I've done things like, uh, to fairies protection farewell, you know, uh, just things where you can break parity on the board wipes. You can do it sometimes if it's like early enough on in the game and things are a little out of hand and you're behind, you know, it's turn four. I have enough for that wrath of God. Everyone else has creatures. I don't might as well, you know, at at that point, I don't find it too egregious, but early game is fine. Late game is where the problem is. I, I think it really depends on reading the room because at the end of the day commander is a social game and so if you're just going to be the stubborn guy who just wants to win no matter what and everyone else is like dude it's been forever like whatever fine you can have the win but it's not going to feel good i think Uh, it just depends on the people and, and it goes back to that rule zero conversation as well like yeah obviously you know we've also talked about this people are playing commander to win and the game does have to end at some point which is why we run certain decks with infinite combos because they will close out a game late in the game Mm -hmm. um but you know if you go into a game and the everyone agrees like okay we're trying to win this game or like we care about playing to win uh and the board wipe comes out late I, I think I think it's a deeper thought than just like this was a bad play. Like it, it is a lot of reading the room, but if, you know, you kind of agreed to like try to win a game and you have a way that like you can extend the chances of you winning a game, you know what I'm saying? So again, my biggest problem is like just it, you do it to extend the game, not because like you have a way to win after the, you clear the board. Like there's, there's are differences. I feel like, you know what I mean? Like, I guess. And okay. So how about this? You have a board wipe and then you also have approach of the second sun in hand, but you can't cast both in the same turn. You have to board wipe and then okay, next but turn you can you cast have, approach. You have, a, you have a way to, you have a path to victory. Like you're just, you know, trying to clear up some time. Like, okay, I understand that, you know, like, and I'll become way less salty one on your next turn when you cast the approach for the first time, Mm -hmm. like, you know, or hell, you know, if you cast it once, you know, it's, you go seven cards, someone builds up a board and then like you board wipe one turn and it's like, okay, cool. You know that they're going to get to, um, you know, that approach really quickly. Yeah. You know, I didn't think we'd be talking about board wipes as much this episode, but it really like, kind of does make sense and i see it i'm thinking about something like farewell that really resets a game on almost all fronts it can at least and that i don't know that's an interesting one to throw into this mix because that could 
I mean, if you play it early and you select all the options, it almost makes it so that like, okay, nothing's left. And if you play it late to get rid of, you know, or to extend the game, it's kind of the same situation. It is modal, which is nice. It's an amazing card. I I love it. I try to run it in every white deck. I I, I feel like if you do it late, you're typically not choosing everything. You're, you know, and when you do, that's the salt inducer. Because, again, you're just, you know, resetting the whole board um, and, like, trying to buy time and dragging games out longer than they need to go. So Whereas, like, like I've done it to Ron um, while he was playing enchantments, you know. Yeah. Like, he had set up his whole, you know, protection thing. Uh, my my sh- enchantments have shroud, and the thing that gives my enchantments shrouds has hexproof, and, and you know. Like, and and yes. you can't attack Ron unless you pay a million, and, you know, he he's totally protected. Yep, my Iron Dome. Yes. And then, you know, you, you top deck the farewell, and you go, okay, well... Here, how about this? And you choose enchantments. Just blow out uh, all of them. <laughs> bye bye, adios, dude. It's funny because the Spanish version of that card is literally adios. Oh my god. I know it's it's like double the price of an you know, and then you go to win the game right after thing. that. Like that's a different story, you know. But again, I'm targeting a very specific problematic thing that I can't get around otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, board wipes have their place, and I, I just, I guess. I don't know. I, not that I run that many board wipes anyways, but it, it makes me kind of wonder about them a little more. But I feel like, yeah, it, you know, it has a potential to make a lot of people salty depending on the threat assessment on board. Um, but yeah, you know, ultimately it comes down because it makes people emotional at times depending on how it's yeah. used. It's a big spell. And um, I don't know, speaking of big emotions, I was uh, going to say, yeah, speaking of yeah, salt. So like, like, I would say, how, how would you define salt in the context of the game and when is it okay and not okay to be salty? Um, I think that is all up to the individual like like that's like when is it okay or not okay to be upset about like i don't know something inconvenient happening to you in so real I, life? I, I do have an opinion on this i think it's okay to be salty about a game and like while the game's going on you know and like maybe even for like a minute or two afterwards like if you've been targeted just repeatedly you know like can't even get a game going because like your commander's just getting removed on site, you know, anything you're trying to do is getting blown up. Like, you know, take it as a compliment, you know, it, it, like recognize what it is, is that everyone is assuming that you are the biggest threat at the table and that's why they're handling you the, the way that they are. <laughs> but, you know, like it's very frustrating and, you know, like it's totally justifiable to be a little salty, but when the game's over, when you've wrapped it up and you're moving on to the next game, like you should try to really like just let it go and move on with, you know, clear eyes, right. fre- uh, fresh hearts, you know, can't lose. Yeah. I think that's where I've found the most um, the the most like hang-ups is when the last game that's played is one that makes me really upset. It's usually that which will carry over into like the bad feelings following the game. Whereas if it's maybe the first game and then we get another game in and that game's fine, like it's, do you guys notice that at all? Where like, if it's the last game of the night and it just like sucks for you, like does that carry over at all or? 
I think it depends on how much it sucked. If it was like anticlimactic, which I have had happen before, it's kind of like an, oh, well, well, all right, cool. Uh, guess it's a good night. But I've also, you know, had kind of games where it's like people are kind of packing up a little quietly and stuff, you know, it, it, it's like <laughs> it, 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 it just depends on how salty the person got and really just again, like the context of what happened in the game and outside of the game within that individual person's sort of mind, you know? Sure. It's yeah. easy to get caught up in the cards and say like, oh boy, I have this combo that's the perfect secret little out that's going to win me the game and it's my one ace in my sleeve and it gets countered and I can't oh, do God. anything else that game, you know? You know what's, what's a worse feeling that I, or a similar feeling, I guess, that I've had is if you have that in your hand and the game ends before you can even play it. Yeah. That's, that's always a rough one where it's like, get to my turn. Like I just, oh, I, I happened, needed to get to my to me, turn. I, that happens to me so much. I've learned to embrace it. And yeah. I'm like, well, it's good. You ended it when it did. Cause I would have done this. Right. And, uh, right. And, and ultimately up. it's like, well, you know, we rolled the dice at the beginning of the game to see who would go first. And had that been a different order, it might've, or, you know, if you sat down in a different place, like it really, is so commander is so random that you have to keep that in mind, but it is like, you know, sometimes it's like, ah, this was right here. And if it was, but, but it is good to keep in mind that it's like, okay, that had you been, had anything else been different, you might've won that game. If you, you had know. I not used that removal spell, had right. I saved up for that draw spell sure. or whatever. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, it's all very contextual for me, you know, like, if you get bullied when your mana screwed and, you know, people are just choosing to bully you because, like, you're not going to have a response or a retaliation because mm -hmm. you've been screwed all the game, you know, and, like, they don't want to make the other players angry. Like, that's the hardest one I feel like to get over mm -hmm. and will definitely carry over into future games um, for me. I will say, though, I've seen a lot of times when people have been, like, screwed Man, at screwed. the beginning of the game. And then and they get ignored for the... Everyone, like, ignores them for, like, five or six turns. And then once and they then, start getting the lands to come, yeah, then, they then they start they, popping off. And then it's like, wait a minute, yeah. we just, like, ignored you all. Like, it's... It definitely... I could see it if it was the whole game. Like, you're getting completely like you can't do anything and every time you try to cast a spell even if it's just a value piece like people are taking it out that's a much different story than like you know starting off and being in a really rough state but eventually you can get around i mean at least when the game wraps up you can like see like wow like that was a really good game and had i started with even more resources at the beginning that would have been even crazier there is some logic to beating up the player that can't get the resources that they need to start going off. Sometimes there's also those like moments where you need a little creature to deal combat damage to somebody in order for an effect mm. to go off. Oh yeah. And the two big guys at the table, like have their board set up and they're like, swing into me. I dare you. Like I've got like a flying <laughs> five, five that'll just kill your little pipsqueak. And then like the person who's like, completely destroyed like they don't have any resources they're <laughs> tapped out and like well you don't have any blockers and i need my value so <laughs> yeah understandable <laughs> i think that one's a pretty like like that one 
I don't think it feels bad too often, but like occasionally can. Yeah. But it's it's usually more understandable when it's like, well, yeah, you want your value and I'm the only open face to punch. No, (laughs) again, like it's just contextual on like when does salt transfer from or like go beyond, you know, just the course of a game for me. Yeah, and I guess I'll even say, even in the moment, like, how acceptably salty is it to get, you know? Like, obviously, if you're, like, flipping over the table and, like, too cussing, salty. and, yeah, it's, like, a little too much. But Gotta like, nail down the board. But, you know, but I, I, I've i seen, like, you know, levels of salt where sometimes it's just, like, you know, huffing and puffing a little bit, and then you uh, get over it. And then also, like, you know, sometimes you get really, really mad. Like, I remember playing with some dudes way back who would, like, get really salty at each other start cussing each other out and stuff and at the end of the game it was fine and they moved on but like they were still like i was like damn like that oh is my god dude really yeah yeah, yeah. it was at that uh, garage that oh, we uh, played damn. at yeah it was like one other game like, i mean i guess that de- that depends on the dynamics of the group then because if you if you and your buddies are like okay with like being absolutely like ferociously mad at each other but can get over it like super easily then i guess that's fine i mean ultimately like (laughs) as a new player obviously i didn't play with them for very long because it wasn't that welcoming and Uh also like you know that's my my main friend who connected me there like left for that same reason i see like it just got too intense yeah he said what we saw was like tame because i didn't remember it being too bad but i was still like whoa but i was like you Mm. know but he said like it's gotten really bad before like with them and so he decided to leave. That's the type of stuff that makes people not want to play commander anymore is when, I mean, I think even some level of like moderate salt can dissuade people because it's like, Oh, like I just felt like not good after spending all this time and money building a deck and playing, you know, this game for three hours. But I think those games where it's like people really have no, uh, sensor or like no, like, uh, real realization no chill like they just they just go and they're just like angry mode like i think you know it's important to be mindful of it all like i know i i probably get the most salty out of all of us here i would guess um maybe not maybe i just feel it on the inside more and then i i don't i don't, I don't know. know i mean i've made ron get up from the table and have to like <laughs> yeah, walk like, around yeah. because he yeah, got that salty either, yeah. <laughs> oh my god sometimes they're fun stories to look back at though like if everyone gets over it and then it's like remember when that fucking happened and that, we're all just like that's why yeah. i think like in game it's fine to be salty about you know people's decisions people's threat assessment you know it, it's you want to play the game and you want to do your thing that you wanted to do. And when people stop you, it's frustrating, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, like you recognize at the end of it, like, yeah, this is a game, you know, like, let's just move on to the next one and hopefully it'll be better for me. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, I feel like it's a, I said this a million times, it's a social game. So my typical code con is just like be a homie, you know, homies can get annoyed at each other sometimes, maybe even pissed off. But you know, at the end of the day, you're still homies. And it's almost been a bit of a challenge as to why sometimes I generally, the players I play magic against, even at events and game stores are pretty great. 
But, you know, I'm always kind of scared of that one day I'm going to get against that. Like, you know, I, I don't know if you know that, uh, you, like, YouTuber, like, Boogie, I think that really big guy. But he had this one video where he was, like, flipping over the table in Magic the <laughs> Gathering. But it was a meme, and it was all for jokes. But I feel like it's kind of been a stereotype of some of what some people conceive Magic players to kind of be like. You know, these, like, big, angry, sweaty, antisocial neckbeards who will just flip the table over a cardboard you know, card game. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've, I've not been like scared that I know that thing, but it is a bit of a conception. Some people have, I think it's important as you know, we we're pretty experienced with this game at this point. I think it's important that if we're playing with strangers, because maybe they just started playing or we don't know like how long they've been playing or whatever. Like, I think it's very important that we are very mindful of, how upset we get during a game oh absolutely yeah. um, because it could spread that conception when on the other end if something like so freaking annoying happens and we're just like zen about it and then like later vent to our friends about it like it's it's so much more like you know oh that was like a chill game like this this crazy thing happened and maybe it wasn't like super fun but everyone i played with was really nice you know yeah just curious do you guys ever like sandbag your plays uh, when you're playing with like newer people? What do you mean by that? Like rather than doing like the, you know, most efficient, most like ruthless, put yourself in a position to win um, like play. You kind of go with like option B, you know, which is like, OK, like this is, you know, this also needs to be removed. It's not the biggest deal for me. But, like, I don't want to, you know, like, be picking on the new new player, basically, you know. Like, I, I played with a uh, guy who had a Tiamat deck who, that was, like, his only deck. He, you know, was, or was brand new to the game. And, you know, he had, I forgot what he had out on the board. But it was like, okay, like, that's going to be the biggest threat to me, technically. But if I target him and keep him from, you know, like doing his thing, he's going to get really frustrated as a new magic player. So, like, maybe I'll target, you know, like something else that isn't as big of a threat to me. I think I've only sandbagged a couple of times. And it's like when I'm teaching someone how to play or it's really like it's their first time playing magic. Like, usually I try to play decks that if I'm playing against someone else, even if they're playing against the lower power deck, even if I make the most optimal plays for my strategy, it's not going to like be so detrimental to them. But I, yeah. I haven't really uh, had too many times where I've done that again, unless I'm playing against someone who's literally learning the game. The only time I sandbag my plays is when I'm playing against you, Cody, and you have two open blue mana up. That's when I say that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but no, that's I not mean, sandbagging. I, that's playing cautiously. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say though, um, when I am playing against newer players, yeah, I'll typically like hold back on removal, especially in a commander game. I love seeing new players get the feeling of popping off. So, 
you know, instead of saying, well, I should probably kill this uh, Voltron commander right now before it has a chance to attack, I'll wait, let him swing out, get really big, and just hope it doesn't come at me. And if he does, I'll, like, you know, politic. And yeah. I'll make it work so that way he can have a fun game experience. I've, I've also done the thing where it's like, all right, I'll let someone deal, like, non-lethal commander damage to me, but you know, if they're going to go in for lethal, I might try to do something about it. Right. Um, but yeah, like maybe that's also something worth considering is like, I, I think a lot of the times I'm, I'm very focused at, about trying to make the best play that I can. And there are times where I don't do that. And it really frustrates me. Cause it's like, if I just, uh, I wish I knew cards better, but, um, I think, you know, purposely trying to make the not, uh, you know, not the best play is kind of an interesting idea. Well, again, it's usually like either like I hold back on, you know, some removal or um, something or like, again, it's like, okay, this is legitimately the biggest threat to me winning, but this is also like a threat to me, you know, and like. Rather than, you know, blast the guy, the new player back to the Stone Age, let me do the, uh, you know, less optimal but still, like, impactful play. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think let's – I want to try to get to this next point because it also kind of, like, relates a little bit to some of the stuff we've been talking about. And that's, like, slow playing or taking long turns. Um, Drives me nuts sometimes. And you do it the most, Cody. <laughs> yeah, we're all guilty. We're all guilty. No, I, I, I'm just... Do I really? Like, well, you, I feel like I just play stuff that has a million triggers that I got to deal with. And that's like, why. And that's why. It's not... It's, it's okay, not, so do I. I'm not slow you playing. And I, you and I are both guilty. I'm this. not slow playing, though. Like, I'm right. legitimately, like, Moving resolving my triggers. Yeah, and, and you're being careful about it. And, and I, you know, I think that's fine. But, but I feel like I make decisions fairly quickly about, like, okay, cool, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, you know okay, cool, this didn't get me where I wanted to go. Let me see about doing, you know, this, this, this. And I guess slow playing and long turns are kind of two different things, but... Totally. Like, you take a lot of decisive long turns. Yes. Like, where you know what you're doing, but you need to dig, or you need the triggers to happen, or you need a certain number of things in this area, and uh, probably less of, like, the slow playing. I find... Most of the people who are slow playing, though, are people who have not been as experienced with Commander. Oh, yeah, definitely. Usually. And I'm willing <laughs> to, like, kind of be like, okay, like, you know, you're taking your time with this. Like, no worries. Like, you know, it's almost in a rule zero conversation. If someone tells you, hey, I'm new to Commander, like, you kind of have to know, okay, slow plays may be incoming in this game and, like, be prepared for that a little bit. You ever get kind of blindsided a little bit where like they they don't mention it early enough and then like they're in a turn slow playing the, um, the game and you're like mm, and they're like sorry 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 I'm brand new you know like they oh, recognize yeah. and you're like fuck now I can't even be mad. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I haven't really uh, I haven't really had that. I feel like when when I talk to people before a game I usually figure out if they're new to playing or not, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think kind of along with 
with slow playing comes that like more like you know new players and then once they figure it out a bit more once they get more comfortable with their deck because it also might be slow playing a new deck they build even if they're experienced no i mean that's an understandable one but i feel like that always comes up rule zero like hey this is a new deck i'm not sure exactly like where it's going to fit in power level wise or whatever here's here's a fun one that i'm going to try to bring up real quick because uh i want to get to the like after game stuff pretty soon but um take backs would you guys prefer take backs or slow playing how much of a take back so i know that is a whole topic in itself i i know there's like take backs where somebody's like about to win the game usually i don't think we're very fond of take backs like when it's like oh like i could win the game if i just did the teferi's protection before i did the farewell or like you, you know what i mean if like, i counted the cards in my library before i, I built myself ca- right uh, right before i decided to draw my whole deck or well maybe they shouldn't say beforehand i don't even care if <laughs> yeah. i build my whole library maybe they i didn't literally I didn't say that, that. i thought i was too confident <laughs> I, I, I had too much confidence. too much confidence ron not enough deck size <laughs> that's fucking hilarious that, that, that's some deck hubris right there <laughs> that's, that's gotta go on a t-shirt <laughs> too much confidence not enough deck size i think i'd prefer in like in terms of slow playing if there's someone who would rather take something back because they're but they're like being a little bit more quicker about the decision making if it's a, a take back that's very like oh, I meant to play this first so I could get an extra token. Like, oh, can I have tapped this land instead of this sure. land because I realized now that I need like this colored mana? In m- most of the time, I'm super okay with that kind yeah. of stuff. And I would yeah. prefer it to people slow playing if that can make the decision be like, oh, like do I, do I start by by swinging with this creature or by casting the spell first? And if they do it in the wrong order, but they do it quickly and then take it back, Obviously, we limit take backs to a certain number in a game, but mm-hmm. I, for for newer players, I think I'd rather be okay with people taking make stuff the back. Mista- make the mistake and recognizing it, and yeah. sit and going like, "Oops, can I do?" And you know, and right? Like, yes, that right. And I also think it it matters, like as you mentioned, how much it depends the game. Not just a matter of winning or losing, but like sometimes there might be things that depend on a lot of other people responding. Like, yeah. oh, if you didn't do this and I wouldn't have done that. Exactly. And now it would start a whole chain reaction. And I feel like once it gets to that certain point, you're like, nah, it's it's kind of locked in. We're once not the actions have grown past like three things, I think it's kind of like too late for a take back. Like someone has drawn their next card. And it depends. Has- it depends on how easy it is to take it back. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if you're, you know, like storming off or whatever and you know like too much information has been revealed then no you can't take it back Mm -hmm. if you know like we're you know but like if you're going through your triggers and you're like oh shit can i have ordered it this way and you're like three triggers deep okay Mm. fine (laughs) you know Yeah. yeah I, I, I definitely agree with that so there's obviously a lot of stuff during a game that could be seen as like you know, making people upset or maybe are not the first choices we would do when playing just to have the best experience for everyone at the table. Mm -hmm. There's also stuff that we can take out of a game after the fact. We've already mentioned upset feelings like following a game and like, you know, if you're not recovering from that, 
you could be taking those feelings into your next game or even worse into like your actual life, which like could be really bad. Well, and then there's also, you know, which I'm sure we're all guilty of is like holding a grudge on a player, Mm. like beyond just like that game or like that night, you know, where you come back the next week and you're playing them and you know, like, it's like, oh, he did this to me last week, so I'm going to <laughs> just ruin his life tonight. I feel like that was something that I, I kind of, like, had done a little more as a newer player than I did as, like, more recently. Yeah. But, yeah. It's... It, I think, like, it it in our playgroup now, we've gotten to the point where a lot of it's jokes. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, oh, Mark is doing this thing again. And the next time we play, it's like, you know, or in between when we're playing, like we joke about me doing that thing or Cody like playing on everybody else's turn. Well, since Mark attacked me for one on turn one two games ago. Yeah, I'm I'm going to have to (laughs) swing in for lethal now. (laughs) Um, But I actually, you know, I think this stuff can sometimes start innocently enough. I actually have like a particular story to share about it. I don't think it's like, salt necessarily but almost like a a a joke or like a more of an innocent thing that turned into something that didn't feel good um there was a point in time where i know our friend chris was telling you guys about a new slivers deck he was making yep and he's like don't tell mark about this but i'm putting this slivers deck together and i want to like you know show him how good it is and stuff just for context to our listeners chris has been like who's the most degenerate player in our playgroup and he wants this title so badly he, he <laughs> likes using degeneracy as like a badge of honor and if he really likes one of your decks he's like oh man that deck is degenerate when he builds a really cool deck he likes building really weird unique awesome combos that will just wreck your stuff but not necessarily win and so he classifies that as degenerate and can he we, likes to feel he's the most can degenerate. we officially declare chris the most degenerate person we've ever played against live on this podcast no <laughs> <laughs> still mark no. <laughs> uh, i'm sorry to chris i tried yeah. I'm, I'm kidding chris <laughs> uh, no chris is a ton of fun to play against and even even when he builds cool wacky mean Especially crazy stuff when he builds cool wacky. that's that's the fun part about playing against him but um so he he built this slivers deck and i was like oh like I, I want to have some fun with this. And I've been wanting to build this Morphon tribal tribal deck. I know there's a lot of slivers out there that give all slivers a boost. So if I build this deck and he plays his slivers deck, then it'll be like a crazy time because he's going to have like this deck that he built that's really good. And then I'll have stuff benefiting off of his deck too. And... I didn't realize, I think, until sitting down and playing a game with him. How much of a counterpick it actually was. Not only how much of a counterpick it was, but how, like, much of a feel bad it was. Because I was doing it as, like, this goofy thing to be like, oh, like... You're you playing know, five color, I'll play I'll five color. I'll play five color. Like, yeah, like Slumber uh, Tribal. I'll yeah, play yeah, Slumber yeah. Tribal. Anything you can do, I can do. Like, that kind of stuff. But and, we didn't just think about the fact that it means all slivers. Well, it, yeah, it's just, like, it's making his deck like you know him make decisions to not benefit my board and controlling a game in a way that i didn't even realize it's not even salt after a game it's just like you know trying feels bad yeah and it's like well i shouldn't have counterplayed that straight into that or i should have been a little bit more forthcoming with 
what like this deck can do against certain tribal decks. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think lesson learned, right? It's like I, it's not salt, but it's like even when we're like joking around and kind of like, it could lead to some bad commander games if we're too like we're allowing ourselves too much of that like joking to be like then put into like actual practice yeah like okay we have to kill cody every game because we don't want him playing on our turns then leads to cody never getting to play magic the gathering like yeah (laughs) or god forbid cast things at sorcery speed oh we need to just let cody cast things at sorcery speed only that'd be good (sighs) I tried to, but then you guys are like, no, Ron, we want to play at instant speed too. Stop playing your stacks pieces. <laughs> um, but so I think that's definitely one aspect that can be brought in after a game. Another one that I think starts more innocently, but leads into something that can create a toxic play group is um, like we mentioned earlier, sideboarding, but mm. not preemptively sideboarding. If you've just played a game against like, a friend who has a mono blue deck and if you had just had a counter spell at the right time you would have won that game so you start putting like red counter spells in your mono red deck it's you know it starts innocently enough it's like oh i just put like a card in for a card that wasn't very useful but you know it keeps happening back and forth. And then next thing you know, your friend's putting in free counter spells to stop the red counter spells. And then you're putting in deflecting spot. And next thing you know, it's just like, it starts an arms race. It you're racing to CEDH pretty soon. And we did that (laughs) high power EDH. I feel like every play group goes through it at one point. Yeah. Um, But it, uh, it can lead to some, some toxic things like you having cards in your deck that are specifically, meant to stop like your friend's deck or um your you graph know. diggers cages your tormod's crypts and a certain amount of like you know farewells targeting only enchantments <laughs> no 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 that, that 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 wasn't specifically for you that Jeez. was <laughs> specifically <laughs> that, that that was just coincidental perfect timing it's just that good of a card <laughs> so what do you guys think about like how it can kind of get out of hand and is there a way to mitigate arms races in play groups? Um, you know, it's it's hard, especially when you're just trying out commander and just building decks that you kind of like casually because eventually, you know, you're going to want to s- have a little bit more of a balanced game and while I think eventually like while we went through an arms race definitely for sure, like we ended up kind of settling at a few different power levels and realized, okay, well, if we're going to play this strong of deck, I'm going to play a deck that matches it rather than I'm going to pick a deck that can hold up to it. You know, we kind of stopped it it kind of, when you're afraid of the other people's decks, I, I feel like that's what kind of triggers some of the fear. Yeah. So I think we're really fortunate in that most of us really like building decks in general in the first place. Yeah. Um, so like we, you know, got to do some janky ideas, you know, we've done like budget challenges for decks, mm-hmm. um, you know, like varying things of that nature that have helped us like mitigate some of that power creep that we were going through while we were racing to CDH. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and I think that's been very fortunate. But, you know, for some people who don't necessarily like to deck build like that or, you know, just want to play like Commander the way that they want to play Commander, which I think sometimes the gameplay videos do a like bad job of showing like the varying levels of Commander. You mm-hmm. know, it always feels like they're kind of like, oh, no, I'm going to push this deck as high as it can go, you know. Yeah. Um, Deck techs in general sometimes... I mean, they're great resources, and you find secret little combinations with unused cards, but um, for a player who's newer or maybe, like, you know, they want to be, like, the best deck at the table, or maybe it doesn't even start like that. Maybe they just want to feel like they can protect themselves from their friend who is a very, you know, very, has a very good deck that can beat them, you know, it starts to, you know, push itself a little bit and then the deck techs become gospel and then it's like, okay, like I need to put this card in because it's just so efficient, you know? But not even the text, like the gameplay videos, you know, like how many times do you like watch a, you know, commander gameplay video and it's like, okay, cool. They're playing things like Rhystic Study, and fierce guardianship the amount of mana crypts that i see yeah. oh, oh good point good y- point you know and it's like yes this is all very fun to play with you know when you're at a balanced play level but like this shouldn't be the, the expectation of every game that you play mm-hmm. that's a really good point i feel like um game nights uh the command zone they do a really good job of pick like making decks that are like you know, not super high powered like that. But a lot of, a lot of the other gameplay channels that I have seen have like had like, oh, and their opening hand has Mana Crypt, Soul Ring, Mountain Cavern of like, Souls. Cavern of Souls. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I want it. I want that to be my opening hand. But if you're the only player in your play group with that opening hand, uh, it's gonna make other people at your play group want to push themselves higher up and uh, and could just make a little bit of that arms race. I think it's really important to consider that you when you're building a deck, there's a reason why you're building that deck and you should figure out what that reason is. Yeah. Like, do you want to be able to keep up with your play group? How do you want to win? Do you want to win? Do you care about just playing? Do you want to win? I mean, <laughs> what like, kind of question is that? <laughs> of course everyone wants to win, but, like, is winning the main goal or is doing the thing the main goal? Yeah. You know, like, I, I feel like there's a I, lot of decks where it's like, I just want to do the thing before I die. And usually doing the thing will win. I, I, yeah. I've, I've actually made it kind of a point to build decks to do the thing rather than build decks to win. And it's made for more fun p- games, I feel like. Yeah, I think uh, I, it, it starts with me. Like, I have a deck that does the thing, and I get to see the thing do its thing. And then I want to see the deck win already. But, like, I feel like I really need to appreciate, like... Just when, doing the thing? Yeah, like, yeah. when Light Paws tutors the whole deck and gets another aura out, like, that kind of value is nuts. And, like, no other deck can do that. If I'm not winning Voltron aura style right away, like I should appreciate that I've been able to do this 
wacky thing that a lot of other decks don't have access to do. Yeah, when I have Sir Conrad and I have a morality shift combo and I turn my gra my deck into my graveyard and flip it up and I still don't have enough damage, I'm like, well, I'm dead on my next draw because I have nothing in my grave or I have a very small deck now and I did my thing. You know what? I might not win, but it's hilarious. I did the thing. I probably had a huge impact on the board, but I didn't win. I think the moral of the story is we have to appreciate the little things in a game of Commander. Absolutely. You know, it, statistically, in a four-person uh, game, you have a 25% chance of winning, provided that, like, you guys balanced your power levels well, and everyone has a very similar amount of experience. Um, you know, you have a 25% chance of winning. Mm -hmm. That means that three out of four times, you're going to lose still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, do you guys have anything else to add to this? Have fun playing Commander. Enjoy the little things. Don't be afraid to make deals with your friends and have a good time in the game. Be afraid to make deals with Ron, but everyone else <laughs> is fine. Yeah, really, that's the main takeaway from this is don't make deals with Ron. Make deals with everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take advantage of that, too. <laughs> just, just let Ron sit politically impotently by. <laughs> it's all fun and games until I'm goading your creatures and making you guys vote. Oh, boy. Well, on that depressing note no, <laughs> i think that's we're right gonna... rock the vote <laughs> <That's right>. vote <laughs> or die vote for me vote for me vote for me all right i think we're gonna call it there but uh this was a really fun episode to do a lot of fun things to talk about Absolutely, and uh, yeah. yeah a lot of fun things for me to think about now and future deck building future gameplay and hopefully for you guys as well listening out there yeah, thank you for tuning on in, and we'll see you guys next time. Salt is best used for meats. <laughs> I am meat. Peace. Goodbye.